We prayed, 1 Peter chapter 2. Title of the message, Learning Submission. For all of us. First Peter chapter 2. Let's read it and then I'll do uh, an intro for you after I read it. So my, read, my, my intro will be reading. We're going to start at verse 13 and we're going to take it through verse 25. The Bible says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, for this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd an overseer of your souls. What a beautiful section of scripture. I am personally convinced that we do not default to godliness. We do not figure out so much of what the Bible has to teach on our own. It is, it is, we are confronted at times with some of these things living in such a fallen world and living in this flesh that is so against God. It just wants to move and run and rush into a d- different direction. And we will find everything in society to be able to pull into our brains to be able to just justify whether it's an internal attitude or the action or the words that come out of our mouth. And so when we see scriptures like this, it just, wow, whoa, I mean, well, that's, whoa, that's a little extreme, right? I mean, did, whoa, did he really mean all of that? And so we'll break it down a little bit. But I think it's learning submission. It's something that we just got to be ultimately faithful to God with. We got to see that regardless of certain things, we have just gone through the first section of 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'll remind you, but it was elevating the word of God. And the word of God was eternal as opposed to our flesh, which is temporal. Our flesh was like grass, it said. It withers away. But the word of God endures forever. And so there's an eternal perspective, a temporal perspective, as Christians, obviously, we were also told that we were pilgrims passing through, that we're to tread lightly in this world. We're not supposed to, you know, put these stakes in the ground so deep that this is our home. We have a home in glory that outshines the sun. That's what we're living for. That's what we're looking forward to. We give lip service to heaven, but that's truly what it's supposed to be all about. It talked as it related to the word of God that as Christians, we are like babes in Christ who 
thirst for the milk of the word. And so I, 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 I shared with you guys that hunger is a sign of health. And what do we hunger for? When we hunger for the word, it's a sign of a healthy Christian. A dynamic Christian life is to hunger and to thirst for the things of God. And so we grow through sitting under the word. Faith comes by hearing and that by the word of Christ. And so we know that as we sit under the word, we have an opportunity to be taught and our spirits can be edified and built up. But we have to still participate and cooperate with that. We can resist it. We, we can say, well, that might be true for others, but it's not really true for me. Nothing could be further from the truth. God wants to do these things supernaturally in and through us as we sit under the word. But we have to be willing. We have to allow God. We have to yield to God. We have to submit, as we look at submission, to God. Then I contrasted last week the um, Old Testament priest with us as priests because it said we are a royal priesthood, right? A chosen generation. And so we looked at all of those scriptures. There was one that I wanted to read. It was verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You just think about the, the, the worth and the value that that should give us as humans, that we are all of these things in Christ. Our value is not found in being male or female. Our value is not found in our race. Our value is not found in where we live. Our value is not found in our bank accounts. Our value is not found in anything in that temporal world. You talk about value being chosen for this generation, being royal, kids of the king, the king of kings, not just some temporal king, kids of the king. We are children of the most high God. That's our value. We should feel really, really good about that stuff. And so that's some of the stuff we looked at last time. Now, let me give you some meanings. What does submission mean? Submit is a military term, meaning to arrange in military fashion under the commander. So if you'll remember your Latin roots from eighth grade, sub means under, to rank under, okay? Google's dictionary defines submission as the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. Submitting means putting others before yourself. It means not always doing what you want to do. It means putting God's desires above your desires. Why did we groan when I said the title of the message is learning submission? Why? Because we're selfish and we don't like to submit. We don't want to submit. It goes against our nature, but that's our carnal nature. And so in this chapter, we see a pretty awesome example, Jesus. And it puts us to shame because boy, oh boy, did he submit. And he throws all of the arguments and all of the reasons why we don't or don't want to or can't out the door. And we're like, Lord, at least make me willing so that you can do it supernaturally through me. 
And so he's beginning now. He's kind of changing gears. He says, therefore, and the, the first word in verse 13 is, therefore, you know, he's changing gears. So we're going in light of the word, in light of the fact that our value is found in all of these wonderful things that God said, in, in light of the fact that we're priests and we have identical ministry things to do as the Old Testament priests, but now they're New Testament stuff. And so in light of all of that, therefore, he says. Now, before we even get into that, I want to share with you what submission is not. Okay? So I got seven things. Uh, agreeing on everything with those you're called to submit to. That's not submission. You don't have to agree. Well, I'll submit as long as I agree. If I don't agree, I have a better way of doing it. You might have a better way of doing it, but you're not the person in charge or in authority on this one. So you fall into rank. Yeah, but if I did it this way, it would be so more efficient. It doesn't matter. You're not in charge. If you were asked, this is how it needs to be done, then do it. Submit. So you don't have to agree to submit. Number two, submission is not leaving your brain at the altar. Doesn't mean you have to stop thinking. Doesn't mean that somebody else has to think for you. Okay? So you don't have to leave your brain at the altar. Number three, waiting to feel good about it before you submit. Okay? We live in a very feely, touchy world right now. People are thinking with their emotions. And so may we as Christians be very, very careful, careful because we are products our, of our environment. We are products of our culture. The, our culture influences us whether we want it to or not. And so may we be very careful to wait until we feel good about doing No, 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 no. You obey God. Feelings follow behavior. You do the right thing, you'll feel darn good about it later. And if you don't, when you get into heaven, you really feel good about it. Okay? So again, we're living for something eternal, not temporal. Number four, submission does not mean you can't try to influence the person you are called to submit to. Doesn't mean you can't have dialogue. Doesn't mean you can't say, hey, have you ever thought that maybe this way would be a little more efficient? Oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. Thanks for suggesting that. Yeah, why don't we do it that way? Oh, I never thought of it. You know, this is the way we did it before. This is how we've always done it. I just thought that's the way we should do it. But that way that you just mentioned, huh. So influence the person you're called to submit to. Again, you didn't check your brain out at the door. So you're allowed to do that. You can communicate that. Number five, submission is not putting the will of those we are called to submit to above God. That's an important thing that we're going to look at. And so we obey God first. And then if we disobey, and if it's civil disobedience, if we're disobeying the government or the laws of the land, be ready to face the consequence of that. But that's okay. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, very good examples, right? Daniel in the lion's den, very good examples, right? The apostles in the book of Acts, very good examples, right? And we'll look at those scriptures. I have them written down um, within the study. Number six, submission is not getting what you need spiritually from those you're called to submit to. That's a, that's a tough one right there. But imagine a wife submitting to a husband and not being fed by that husband. Well, I'm called to submit to him, and I'm not getting fed right now. Get fed from God. Your source is God. Your socket is to be plugged into the source, God. John 15 tells us that, right? If it's not, you're not tapped into the vine. Where's the fruit going to come from? Yes, a boss, a pastor, a husband can definitely pour spiritually into you as a person, but that's not your number one source of feeding. God is. God is your all in all. God is the one you worship. God is the one you look to. Submitting, falling under rank to a person is obedience to God. Okay? 
And then finally, number seven, submitting does not mean living or acting in the fear, in fear. So the God-fearing person is fearless. So I'm not fearing that person. I'm fearing the Lord. I'm reverencing God. I'm holding him in his rightful place. That's why I obey. And you can do that all the while submitting to a person. Why? I'm scared of them. You're not scared of somebody. That's not why you're submitting to them. You fear the Lord. And I heard a message. I think it was Greg Laurie. He shared a message on the radio talking about submission. It was somebody. But, you know, like submission... The fear of the Lord is often given a bad rap. The Bible says submit. Your argument's with God if you have a problem with submission. The fear of the Lord is is two different things. There's two different things. It is a reverence for God. It is putting God in his rightful place. It is making sure that you are in awe of God and you understand that he is a consuming fire and that he holds our very soul in his hand. Remember, remember, uh, disciples came to Jesus and, you know, they were fearing or whatever. He says, don't fear the, the one who can destroy your body, but fear the one that can not only destroy your body, but cast your soul into hell. That's the one you fear. Don't fear Satan or demons. Fear God. He has ultimate power. It's, it's definitely reverence, but it's also, you know what? I might get spanked. I don't want to do that. I respect God, but I also fear him. I fear disappointing him, and I fear him because he is judge, and he's right. He doesn't mince words. He says what he means, and he means what he says. So different in a convoluted culture that we live in, where nobody says what they mean and mean what they say. So it's, it's that double-edged you know, sword or that coin that has two sides. Yeah, it's the reverence for God, but it's also, you know what? Uh, they wouldn't be able to come around the mountain because they would be destroyed if they touched it, the nation of Israel. That's God. God's saying, you don't know how holy I am. Uh, Joshua did a good job at at introducing the first three commandments yesterday, Exodus chapter 20. If you guys don't listen to Tuesday Night Studies, you can go on Facebook, and they're always posted on Facebook uh, live. But, you know, they're they're recorded there. But I think he's doing a, a killer job. That guy is in touch with the culture in a way, he's 29, so you know he lives in a different space than I do. He lives, he just he just is able to communicate on a level that you know, I'm just I just read scripture, so I like it. I like it a lot. So you know, it's just neat. All right. So if you look at this and what we're looking at, this section of scripture, um, why should believers submit even to unjust authorities? This is the context of what we're reading: unjust authorities. And, and he even says it in the body. I mean, what's the big deal if you submit to your employer? You know, the slaves, and, and we're going to use the slaves as employee employers because that's what they really were. They were individuals that were, um, that's how they made a living, if you will. Um, if you have a, a master that, that beats you because you do bad stuff and you take it patiently, he's saying, what's, that? what's the big deal about that? But if you do what's right, and then you show this model of, just Christian value, man, that's commendable before God. And so we think, well, I mean, look at, look at who we have in the White House and look at, look at all this stuff that's going on in the media. And man, if you, if you listen to the media on anything right now, I tell you what, you're, just, you're not going to get a whole lot of stuff. Make sure that you're careful because we're, doing, we're, we're informed 
on sound bites right now. People are forming incredible, strong opinions on sound bites, and uh, there's not a lot of truth going out. So be careful um, what you judge. Look at the fruit of stuff. And you know, on one hand, I think President Trump is doing an incredible job with what he's instituted and some of the awesome things he's done. On the other hand, I think he's a jerk of a human being. He said some stuff that is uh, unimaginable to come out of out of the White House, and his history of stuff is just it's horrible. But you know, I look at the fruit, and he's he's. Man, he's doing a lot of good stuff. And if you don't see that, then you're just blind. You, you, I mean, read the scriptures and just understand. He's doing some, some phenomenal things for America and uh, for Christianity. Yeah. That's just a breath of fresh air right there because we ain't had that in the last eight years. So be careful what you're getting there. But we're called to submit to these authorities and whether these, these authorities aren't perfect. They're not, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And so... Caesar Nero would come out of first century A.D. who, you know, that's who these New Testament writers are speaking of. One of the most evil, wicked human beings that ever walked the face of the planet. And that's who they're called to submit to. So that's the context. In the chapter one, he said he's writing to those in these various cities of the dispersion. He's not saying the, dis- the, the controversy on that, but he's saying to those who have been scattered. Bottom line, they've been scattered. Why have they been scattered? Because persecution is coming to Christians. That's who Peter is writing to in this epistle. And so they are suffering present day when he's writing this to them. So number one, believers should submit to um, authorities to honor God. Notice verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether as to king, as supreme, and then he'll go on. So the king would be the highest you know, ruler in the land. At a minimum, Christians have no right to complain about government if we're not even praying for our government. And what are we praying for our government? I hope we're informed through the scriptures what to pray for our leaders. You know, I always pray, Lord, surround them by godly men. Surround them by godly men. You have godly men in Washington, God. Surround them. California, governor? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. But I know there's godly men in that cabinet. Godly women. So at a minimum, at least that, you know, but pray for things that God's will would be done in these, these, these ways. So the first thing, again, is um, believers should submit to authority to honor God. Uh, if you have your Bible or if you're taking notes, I'm going to read you out of Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So for time's sake, I'll read it to you. But if you want to turn there, you can turn quickly. Go to Titus chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. After that, we're going to Romans 13, which is the ultimate chapter on submitting to authority. But let's go ahead and look at those two sections of Scripture. Titus 2, 3, I'm sorry, Titus 3 and Romans 13. Titus chapter 3. Somebody read me verses 1 and 2, please. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. So that's pretty powerful. To speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men, all people. That's pretty tough because everyone has an opinion and everyone's happy to share it, right? Romans chapter 13. Let me read you verses 1 through 5. Romans 13. 
Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. That's pretty powerful. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. There is no authority that exists that is not there by God appointed it. And so that's kind of crazy because we've had some ruthless leaders in this world, right? And God uses those ruthless leaders for his end. Sometimes he uses them as a, um, a rod to correct his kids. And sometimes he, I don't know, he just pulls them out and shows his power by, you know, he did that with Nebuchadnezzar, right? Seven years on his lawn, eating grass. And so, you know, God's ways are, are above ours. But we're growing up with a generation now that is coming up that is very different from generations of the past. We were raised, my generation, to respect authorities, to respect police, to respect and appreciate firefighters, to respect military, teachers, anybody who was in a position of authority, we were, we were expected and taught. Just the, 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 the culture did that. They, they let us know that, hey, these are good people serving the community. We respect them. We're growing up with a group of people now that they weren't taught that. And so that has been pulled. And when that begins to happen, you have anarchy, you have chaos, you have confusion. You have a lot of things. Are there corrupt people? Absolutely. Caesar Nero was very corrupt. Are there corrupt police? Absolutely. Rodney King and what we witnessed in that video was horrific. And then the, 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 when the sentences came down, you looked at what those police got away with. That was horrendous. And just on and on and on and on it goes. So we know there's corruption. But I believe, personally, the overwhelming majority are there for the right reasons and doing the right things. You can disagree with that, but God says, submit to those authorities, for he appoints them. And our fear, the afraid that we have, is in doing wrong. Because they're there to basically be used by God to hold us accountable when we do wrong. So we want to be careful with that. So number one, again, believers uh, should submit to authority to honor God. Number two, verse 14, believers should submit to authorities because of their purpose. Notice verse 14, back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 14. Um, so he says, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to king is supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. And so number two, again, we submit to authorities because of the uh, believers should submit to authorities because of their purpose. Um, when do we not submit to this? Because it says governors there. And so we have these leaders, these officials, these Lower rank, not as high as the king, but definitely some level of governing authorities. Uh, the only time that we don't is when they contradict God, the word of God. When they command us or tell us to do something that would disobey God. But as I said in the introduction, 
be ready to face the consequences. The apostles did. Let me read you out of Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, and then we'll look at Acts 5 real quick. But Acts 4, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says, So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have heard, seen and heard. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. Uh, yeah, we can. We're going to speak in the name of Jesus. I mean, you judge. You judge it for yourself. Do we obey you or do we obey God? We're going to obey God. And they continue to speak. And what happened? They turned the world right side up. They called it upside down. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 28 and 29 says, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So the only time we disobey is when it is um, in contradiction to the revealed word of God. A lot of people will be like, I'm not going to, you know, the the Bible says this. I'm not going to pay taxes. The Bible tells you to pay taxes. How are you not going to pay taxes? Yeah, but my money's going to corrupt things. That's That's the government's responsibility. God will hold that, them responsible for that. We're called to pay taxes. Lee. The second one or the first one? Acts chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Number three, believers should submit to authorities to quiet those who are antagonistic to Christianity. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. When we obey God, people will have their uh, opinions about Christianity or about God or their misconceptions about God. But through our obedience, it shows it's a light and it gives glory to God and it shuts the mouth of foolish people. There's people that are antagonistic towards God or they redefine God, right? They made up this God of their own making. It's an idol. It's their own image. It's always a permissive God. Who doesn't really care about their immorality or their sin? So we got to be careful. Or sometimes it just goes overboard and it can be uh, one of those legalistic ideas of a God. Or, you know, the God of my fathers. This is all we've always done. I don't know if you guys ever seen uh, that guy on the roof. What was his name? Fiddler on the roof? Yeah, tradition. Yes. So uh, all that stuff. All that stuff. So people have, you know, this idea of God. Well, through our obedience to authorities... Sometimes it can silence people. So that's a neat thing. That's number three. Number four, believers should submit to authorities because they are free from sin. Look at verse 16 and 17. He says, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants to God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The word honor, highly esteem, is the idea, and it refers not just to obedient duty, but inner respect. And that's, now God is messing with our emotions. Think about that. He tells us, honor all people. You ever come into the presence of somebody who you're a little not so fond of, and all of a sudden, da. There it is, that emotion. 
God's saying, are you honoring that person? Because he doesn't just say honor. We, we talk about kings, right? We talked about governors. And then he had to throw in all people. God, why'd you have to do that? What's, why can't we just, all right, people in authority are one thing. People who are over me is one thing. But right there in the word, verse 17, honor all people. Really, God? You're messing with my emotions. Because you're commanding my emotions. And if I come into the presence of somebody that I have, oh, with, why? Why have I let that linger? Why have I let that continue? Why haven't I dealt with that? There's a reason. I can't give you the answer. All of us have. Do you think that's why he brings it back around to us? Do I think that's why he brings it around to us? Well, he's, he's going to give us a great example. Jesus is yeah. an example. No, I mean, if you, you have that emotion and it's still lingering there, and maybe you forgot about it because you haven't seen that person for a long time ago with your life, and then Jesus brings that person back around to you through the feelings of the pain yeah. in your life. I think that yeah, happens a lot. Real, and you, realize, you thought you dealt with it, huh? Yeah, then yeah. you haven't. You're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I struggle with that one. I think we all do. Yeah, that's 17. That's a whopper. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That's crazy. All right. Number five, believers should submit to authority because of reward. Look at verses 18 through 20. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults? You take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And that's a trying of our faith, right? The testing of our faith is just, where is our patience monitor? Do we do like 1 Corinthians says, you know, where love is, what is the first thing it says? Love is kind, suffers, patient, and then it acts in kindness, right? So the test of the kindness is the suffering long. So I don't know, I just... Uh, again, I don't default to this. I'll just, I'll just throw myself under the bus. This is not natural for me. This stuff has to be commanded because it's like, ah, oh. all right, Lord, I guess I'll be willing. Not today, though. Not today, Lord. Maybe on Sunday. Maybe on Sunday I'll get around to it. You know, I just, ah. Oh. You know, you're just, <laughs> you're just smitten by the word. You just, as you read it, you're like, wow, I am not doing good in this area. Because you have areas where, like, Lord, I am killing it. Woo! But that's, if we didn't have the word, I think it would be, we just think of how we're killing it in areas. Or at least I would, you know, I'm a prideful man, so I'd be like, I'm killing it. Yeah, in two areas, bro, you're losing it in 98. It's like, you know, but the word shows me those. Number six, believers should submit to authorities because of the example of Christ. Notice 21 to the end. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd 
an overseer of your souls. And so what an example we have in Jesus. And two times he's making an allusion to Isaiah 53, the gospel of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Who has believed our report? To whom has the hand of the Lord come? He, he would grow up as a shoot, right? Tender as a plant. He has no form or comeliness. That's all Isaiah 52. And then he goes into Isaiah 53. He was basically bruised and beaten for us. And he took it patiently. He endured. He went to the cross. And he did all of that. Mouth shut. And every time he opened his mouth, it was on behalf of somebody else. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And you look at that example, and what is it that drew us that love? That model, that example. It's like, Lord, really? You're the almighty, powerful God, really? You can cast, you can, you can send just legions of angels down on them, Lord. Nah, I'm going to model it in my first coming. I'm coming back in the second coming. Judgment's coming. I'm coming back with wrath. You're going to see the other end of it. You're going to see the lion of the tribe of, the, of Judah. But on this first one, I'm a lamb. I'm a defenseless lamb. And as that, it just wins us over. You know, it just, it melts us. And now he's saying, you're my body. You're my representatives on earth. I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven now, but I'm living in you. And I want to model what drew you, what won you to the world. And to people who see it and they submit to it and they're like, wow, I want what you got, then they'll be in heaven too. And to people who don't, ooh, that judgment's going to come hard because you suffered and you were just like me, leading by example. Quiet in that submission as I'm commanding you here. The last thing, number seven, is believers should submit to authorities because God judges justly. And he says that there at the end of verse 23. He says, put but committed himself to him who judges righteously. God is going to judge righteously. And so that's, again, why we submit to people who are <laughs> wicked, you know, even unjust authorities, as I mentioned. Okay? So here's your application question. In what ways has God challenged you in the area of submission? How do you plan uh, on implementing this virtue in your daily life? For, for me, I think one of the, the hardest things is the emotional aspect of it. That word higher, uh, honor, highly esteem is the idea, and it refers to not just obedient duty, but inner respect. That's, a, that's an emotion. That's a feeling. And so I'm, I'm butted up against that guy that I hate or that girl that does that thing, you know, or whatever, and ugh, and I just swear because I have discernment that I know so much better. And God's like, hey, why don't you check that? Why don't you check that? <laughs> Because you're supposed to esteem others as better than yourself. That's a command. So I think that is definitely one for me that, that gets in the way. Um, when, when God starts commanding emotions, that, that to me is... Uh, and it's, it's a trip because when you submit to God in that area, He'll give you the right emotion. Which is, that's amazing. You're like, Lord, how'd you do that? Yeah. It's the word you're obeying, and that's just what it's meant to do. Awesome. Anybody else? Ronnie. I don't know if it's in the category, but mine would be submitted to trying to drive on the roads. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to obey. I don't know. I'm trying to 
That's a frustrating place for you. You get behind the wheel and just all of a sudden you just turn into some little Tasmanian devil. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. Gabriela said you're getting better, bro. It's going to stay here and take 20 hours to get home, but I can do this. Right. Interesting. Yeah, it's... Joe Foch, Pastor Joe Foch is, Foch is the uh, senior pastor at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. That is his single greatest sin. When you listen to every message he shares, it comes out. He just like, that's the one that he just, he absolutely struggles with. And he, he ain't got a handle on it to date, so pray for you, brother. And that's a hard thing because it's a mindset. It's, it's a total attitude. You know, we get behind, it's like a tank. You're in this tank and your fortress and, you know, you're fortified by your walls and glass. And you just, that mindset is a very, that's like telling a warrior not to worry. That's an impossibility for a warrior. Warriors worry. That's what they do. Telling an anxious person, stop being anxious. You can't do that. Yeah, see, all your answers are the wrong answers. All right, let's reel it in. Let's reel it in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Um, Lord, that you have to give us this stuff. This bottom line, we don't default to this. Uh, I, I love, Lord, that if we are willing, if, if we would even be willing for you to make us willing, that you can work there. If we're opposed to you, Lord, if we um, resist you, if we don't want it no matter what you say or do, uh, then that's a tough place to be in. But if we're willing, or if we're willing to be made willing, then that can be a starting point for us, Lord. And so we just pray that uh, we would honor you, that we would glorify you, that we would be uh, what we are called to be, Christians, Christ-like. We are ambassadors, Lord. The only Bibles that some people will ever read. And I just pray, Father, that I even think of the benefit, Lord, that this is uh, peace for us. Obedience is peace for us. It's, it's health for us. It's, it's anxiety-free. It's depression-free. It's all of these things, Lord. And so you're such a good God. And, Lord, it doesn't always make sense in the context of our culture, but this is healthy for us. The way of the transgressor is hard. I pray that we wouldn't fall in that category, Lord, but that we would desire obedience to what you are calling us to. So strengthen us, Father, where we're weak. Um, may we guard where we're strong, and may we continue to look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.